0: On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. This is Adam
1: Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the Clubhouse.
0: Hey everyone. It is the Clubhouse. Great to have you companies. we talk all things golf right across Australia. Mark Allen and Julian Bayard with you. Oh, what a week.
1: What an unbelievable week. Look at you. Meltdowns. You love JT, don't you? Oh, mate. You love him. I was you so have excited. loved him ever yes. since he wore the tie at the Open Championship. No,
0: I've loved him since uh, Spring Break 1. Yes. Two years ago when yeah. he, uh, Ricky Fowler, Jordan yeah. Spieth, all sort of cruising around the Bahamas with their tops <laughs> off. I've loved the three of them ever since. Yeah. Found out that they were a little bit human. Yeah. Didn't mind enjoying themselves no, off the seen course. Them.
1: I wouldn't call them a Brat pack. No. But they're some kind of pack. That's right. they What's what are we going to call them? Let's, why don't we well, do they're this? They're we we need break We, crew, we need our them listeners yes. um, to come up with some kind of a pack name. hmm. So they're not a Brat pack. They're no. too good for that. They're too.
0: They're too clean skinned. Yeah. <laughs>
1: they're not. They're not a crack pack. No. 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 That's not their go. No.
0: What sort of pack? If it's just a handy golfer pack. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll work that. on it. We'll, we'll work on, on it throughout week. the show. What an extraordinary tournament, Marco. A meltdown. <sighs> <sighs> okay. oh, well, we'll get to the meltdown. One of the worst Jason shots I've seen. <laughs> does
1: it? Yeah. I think it is a meltdown. Yeah. I, I think that's accurate. I yep. think you've really called that well. Yep, so oh, we'll, I think we've all been saying it's a brain fade. Yeah, but no, no I don't think so. that was a meltdown. Yep. I'm with you. Can we, we'll talk about that a bit later.
0: Yeah, and you're going to list your top five meltdowns ever. Am I on the back of it? So get <laughs> get researching <laughs> in the ad break, <laughs> right? Because you're going to think about oh, your best oh, five
1: the meltdowns. Meltdowns. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, they come in different forms. I'll, I'll work it out. Yep. Let's talk about JT. Yes. And what I found fascinating watching him play mm-hmm. the last nine holes of golf, yep. he comes like, on the telecast. If you're watching, you couldn't miss the fact that his dad was a PGA professional and his grandfather was a PGA did. professional every time he I was over the ball. I didn't happen to notice oh, that through really? the coverage market. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, what it, you know what it said to me? Mm. There, is, there is a thing in golf and there is a rhythm to repetition. And one of the great things that Justin Thomas does, and it was very noticeable probably in the last four or five holes, was that this was a very important part of the tournament. This was probably the most important stretch, four or five-hole stretch, that this kid was ever going to play in his life. Even when he won the three tournaments beforehand this season and shot a 59, this was playing for a major championship. Mm -hmm. His rhythm of repetition didn't change one bit. You could have watched him and timed him from the moment he visualised the shot or the putt or the chip or the bunker shot. His rhythm of, repeti- of repetition was exactly the same. It, it, it to a point where on seventeen, the par three, like a really scary, dangerous shot, where he could make a double quickly. Yeah, a birdie was always going to help yeah. him with a two-shot, you know, lead going down the last, and. He got over the 7-iron or 9-iron or or whatever it was, 8-iron. And I reckon the cameras and the the camera and the commentators just expected him to take longer over that shot. He didn't. He imagined what he was going to do. He stepped up and he operated like it was Mm. a second shot on the third hole three weeks ago on a Saturday when he wasn't even in contention.
0: The shot took took me back to what you said on this show I reckon three months ago when we were talking about how you putt on the practice screen differently from how you putt under pressure and you said you've got to stick to your routine you've got to do exactly the same thing that you would do on the practice screen. You don't want to take any different, you don't want to line the putt up for four times as long or practice six more times. Correct. You do exactly what you normally do That's it. and that way it looks and feels
1: normal. Absolutely and the whole background to that and the whole theory to that is strong. Why would you practice one way and then under pressure do it totally differently? And that's what I loved and respected and admired and now understand that he's going to win many more tournaments. He'll win 25 events. He might win five or six majors just from looking at the way he played. Uh, The putt was exactly the same. It almost looked like he rushed. The commentator said, "Not not taking much time over this putt. Well, he took exactly the same amount of time that he does yeah. in every other they situation.
0: Just expected him to take longer because that's else right. Does that is right. Big
1: that is exactly right. On the 18th, tee was a really pressure-type drive. Now he's leaked one out to the right because the only place he couldn't go with a two-shot lead was left mm-hmm. uh, into the creek, um, and ended up making a five. But again. His rhythm of repetition was magnificent. The bunker, you know, on the 16th hole, hits it over the bunker, which is a huge carry, by the way. I want to talk about how far he hits it in, the, in a tick as well. It was a huge carry. Gets a rotten lie, chunks it out into the front trap. Now, he couldn't, you know, Johnny Miller always talks about the chunk and run. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a form of bunker shot. The bunkers, you know, once you get going at bunkers, they're really easy because if you hit the ball a little bit thin, the ball carries further but has more spin. Yeah. Yep. And we'll stop. If you hit the ball really fat, the ball doesn't carry as far. But because you've hit it thick, the ball runs out. So it's that fat bunker shot that is a chunk and run. With water in the background, Mm -hmm. all the background. I mean, if you hit a thin one, he loses the tournament then and there because he's got to drop the ball back in a bunker and it's over. Most professionals have done it once in their life and understand that the chunk and run is probably the go-to shot because you can't hit it thin over the water. But he didn't. He got in there and he had a long bunker shot with spin with water in the Mm -hmm. background. Then stepped up over his six footer. He had to go first. Stepped up over the six footer. And once again, the commentary was surprised that he didn't take longer, seeing it was such an important putt. He didn't take longer. He went through his routine exactly like he does and just went bang. That's a great way of describing it, Jules. He just went bang. Yeah. But that's the way he's practiced his whole life. And that's the way he plays. And that's why he's so good. That's the way he's done it. Yeah. His grandfather probably taught his dad. Mm-hmm. And his dad, being a professional golfer, taught his son. Yep. And that was beautiful to watch. Golfers who have been guilty of losing their rhythm of repetition. Yep. Greg Norman. Oh, yeah. Greg Norman. <laughs> Greg, when there was an important shot, Greg Norman took twice as long. And usually, you know, the results weren't well, good. Look at history. Yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholas was another one. Yeah. So but Jack Nicholas, yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. But Jack Nicholas was so strong in mind, it didn't matter what he did. He he just believed. He believed he was the greatest, and he was the greatest. <laughs> it didn't matter what happened. But for most human beings, yep. the rhythm of repetition is important. And I believe Justin Thomas's rhythm of repetition right through that week, won him. Uh, his first major, and now he's second on the FedEx Cup behind Hideki. I need to talk about Hideki too at some yes. stage. Hideki comes into the week after winning the week before, wants to win this tournament, become the first Japanese player to win a major. And if he wins the tournament, that he's also the first Japanese player to be the number one player in the world. So a big week, mm. uh, particularly when you're leading for a good portion of it. That's right. For a good portion <laughs> of it. There was a couple of putts that he hit, and the close-up, the commentary and... I thought the commentary and the coverage was magnificent. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hideki puts a straight line uh, on top of his golf ball and points it where he wants the ball to start. When you putt, and I've spoken to you about this many a time, when you, when you hit practice putts on the practice putting green, you'll notice when there's nothing on the line that the toe of the putter doesn't stay square in the follow-through. It, it tips over. It's called the toe releases. When you steer putts, for whatever reason, you try and keep the blade dead straight to where you want the ball to go mm. after, in the follow-through. Yep. And that's the steer. Yep. You're not letting the putter do what it wants to do. And then you look at that
0: line on top of the ball.
1: That's right. So when you look at the line on top of the ball, instead of that line just rolling over purely. And a little bit around. <laughs> it gets a little bit funny, like yes. you've kept the blade open and the ball goes to the right. Mm-hmm. And then you look down at the putter head and you go, well, how to go right? My putter head's square. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So next time you're on the putting green, just notice, you know, when you've got nothing to care about, it doesn't matter about any consequence. You haven't got a pencil and a card in the back (laughs) pocket that you're using. You're just kind of cruising around. You'll notice that the toe of your putter does release. And that has to happen when you're actually under pressure as well. And Herdeki, it just wasn't happening for him.
0: Speaking of putts, Marco, I want to talk about Justin Thomas's 8-foot birdie putt on the 10th hole.
1: Is that the one that stayed on the edge? Yep. Dropped in? Yeah, incredible. Now, I'll,
0: I've spoken... I've been a, had interesting conversations with people about this part. Yeah. A lot of people look at the rule and say, you got 10 seconds for that ball to drop. Correct. It was 12 seconds. Yeah. Before, once that ball stopped, before yes. it dropped. Yes. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, there should have been a penalty stroke. It was 12 yeah. seconds.
1: But... Yes, there's more to that I rule. I looked
0: up the rule, marker. There's more to that rule, Jules. I know the that. rule. So... from the USGA rulebook. When any part of the ball overhangs the lip of the hole, the player is allowed enough time to reach the hole without unreasonable delay. Yes. And then an additional 10 seconds to determine whether the ball is at rest. If by then the ball has not fallen in the hole, it is deemed to be at rest.
1: Correct. If the ball
0: subsequently falls in the hole, the player is deemed to have hold out with his last stroke and must add a penalty stroke. That's right. So So you get enough time to walk to the hole. Yes. And then you get 10 seconds. Yes. So he had walked a little bit around. Yeah. And then he hadn't taken his 10 seconds. Yes. So the 10 seconds hadn't started yet.
1: Yes. But officials, there's one more factor. Yes. It's called the how the hell did that putt miss factor carry on time. Yes. Which you get. (laughs) So every player knows about this Mm. carry on how the hell did that putt miss time. So you hit the putt and then you put your hands up in the air. On the head. No, who? How did Commonly that drop the putter. Yes. Walk over to your caddy and go. shake your head with your eyes look at wide the open. Look at your playing partner. Then That's look at the crowd around. and go, how did that miss? <laughs> then make your way to the hole. And once you get to the hole, yep. pretty much count the 10. Yeah. <laughs> so that factor is not written in the rule book, but officials will give you that extra bit of time. Yes. So if you are in a tournament anytime soon where there are rules officials, and even if you're not, factor in the how did that miss carry on time. Yep. You can usually get an extra 10-12 seconds out of it, mm. which means you get that 10-12. Plus, however long it takes you to walk to the hole.
0: Plus, you get to the hole and go, all right, I'm starting my 10 now. So now. You
1: basically get 40 seconds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the, did, way, that's you, the way it works. What did you think of the commentary? I didn't didn't particularly uh, like that. I, nah. thought, he stole, I tr- thought he's tried to replicate one of the great moments in golf.
1: Yeah, he stuffed it up. Uh, look, that's okay. I'll tell you what, he did get the rub of the greens though. Chipped in on 12. Yep. Uh, and that was a beautiful chip. Like a gorgeous chip. That he hit on 12. It was a really quick one. He didn't use a lob wedge. He used actually a pitching wedge, which means you have yep. to be extremely delicate mm-hmm. just to knock it on the green and not get enough grass between the club and the ball for the club to slow down. Incredibly talented hands yes. in a pressure situation. And for that chip to go in was great. But did you notice how a lot of his putts kind of went in the back door? Yeah. Like a lot of them. They caught the left lip, rolled right around to the back and fell. They caught the right lip. Fell. They stayed on the lip. Carry on factor time. That fell. Chip in. So everything was going his way. And Hideki, on the other hand, he had about four or five lip outs. Four or five lip outs with the steering putt. uh, The steering putter stroke. So two totally different back nines as far as one player, extremely brave Mm -hmm. and repetition uh, was a factor. And the other player was steering the ball. You know, if if Hideki wins, who's the tennis player, the Japanese tennis player? Oh, you know who I'm talking yeah, about can't mate. walk the streets, can't walk the streets, that kid. Yeah. I'll Hideki think I'll think of it. Hideki, Everyone out there's
0: probably shouting at their radio.
1: Hideki was gonna go past that character yeah. who wears the Uniqlo gear, the tennis player, come on, Jules. I'll get it. Kane Shikori. Kane is Ishikori, who we're about. thank you. Yes. That man cannot walk the streets, such as his fame in Japan. Mm. Hideki at twenty five years old. If he won the USPGA and went to the number one player on the planet, yep. he would have made almost overnight, the estimation, half a billion <laughs> US dollars. Which means <laughs> if he keeps going in that direction, he's probably going to make $2 billion off course in the next 10 years. Not the worst. That's a good result. Not the worst. Unfortunately, he couldn't walk the streets in Japan... He probably could anywhere else on the planet. No one <laughs> didn't even know who he was. Yep. You know, if he was wearing a pair of jeans and a hoodie and a T-shirt and a pair of you all-star wouldn't, shoes you wouldn't notice him. walking down the streets of Melbourne, yep. you wouldn't even know it was him. Nope. But that wouldn't be happening in Japan. That's it. So, look, I hope he does. His pedigree is amazing. You know, yeah. the Asian Amateur Championship that we talk about, you win that, you go, he won it twice. The very first two years he won, Hideki won one, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. I think he's only 16 and 17. Turned pro early. Um uh, We've spoken about his season at length. He's number one on the FedEx Cup this year. Rankings just behind now, JT. I hope he wins early, and I hope he wins three or four. It'd be great for the game right around the planet. It'd be, be huge. If we get you know Asian players in... on The girls are dominating golf. The Asian girls yep. are dominating golf in the girls. We need one real... Like, he's a poster boy, but... To really to validate, he needs to win he, something big. He needs a major. Yep. And then it's a whole new ball game yeah, for, for golf right around the planet.
0: Now, there are all the positives, Marco. We've got to get to a break up next. Hoo-hoo. Meltdown. Meltdowns. Meltdown Central. And we, we've got an Aussie who made him a huge meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> Described by many as the worst <laughs> shot they've ever seen. Yeah. We'll talk about that next. Yep. This is the Clubhouse. Stick around.
1: In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse
0: back it is the clubhouse awesome rigorous list making going on in the ad break because there's uh, a, Drop meltdowns solid, list, a meltdowns list to come because marco we're watching the golf and uh, pga <laughs> championship and what i like to think is that it makes us all feel better about our own games when this jason sort of stuff day happens.
1: did the stupidest thing that i've ever seen on the golf course yes virtually the stupidest thing i've ever seen you know when when you're trying to hit a hook like that you need a follow-through so, let's he, he didn't have follow-through. Let's
0: explain from the start what had happened, Marco. So, well, Jason Day had a horrible back night. He'd had a double bogey and a bogey, and then he'd had three straight birdies yeah. to get himself back into
1: contention. Yeah, that's right. He was playing okay. He was playing with a bloke who he thought, if he made birdie, he was going to be three shots back going the last day. What's he, Kisner? Yeah, playing with Kisner. Thought if he made a birdie, then... But it's on Saturday, in the 18th hole, and you have just made the three birdies to get back in. So... I kind of get it if it's Sunday and you need to make a birdie yeah. and you just don't care about finishing second and you hit a miracle shot. I get that. No worries. But it wasn't. It was the third round. It wasn't Sunday. It was the third round. And when you are trying to do something sevy like the one thing you've got to remember is, okay, if this shot doesn't work, where is my ball most likely going to be? It ended up there were bushes up there, which yes. is probably the most likely spot. <laughs> if he hit a tree that was in front of him, ricochets probably goes to the right, and then you're in more bushes. It was stupid. It was dumb and stupid and ridiculous that his caddy let him do it. His caddy should have walked off. Do said, you if you, should- you hit this shot, you're carrying your own bags up the hill. Do you think that I'm not going to be part of it.
0: Would it have got to the point where that's the end of the relationship if you... If he yeah. actually played that shot, I reckon it. it oh. He should. He should be sacked for letting him play that shot. In well, my there, opinion,
1: there was no way he could have got it on the green. So even if it comes off perfectly, then he still has to get the ball up and down for his four. So if he just tips it out and he's got a nine nine, he, he's as almost as likely. You know, if, a nine nine. If Jason has got a nine nine, pins in the same sort of spot, he probably, you know, he probably gets up and down one out of eight times. One yeah. out of eight. But to hit the shot perfectly and then try and get it up and down for the four was a 1-100. One in a yep. The odds just didn't make sense. Nick Feldo came out criticised him. And Jason Day said, that's why great players are great, because they go for those shots. Well, that's rubbish. That is rubbish. Yeah. That shot was impossible. It was silly. It was juvenile. And it cost him, you know, he's more likely to shoot 64 the next day yeah. and rip past everybody on the leaderboard. He's more likely to do that than making that shot work. And you know, Cole Swatten, who's been there for a long time, should have taken control. Yeah. Should have said, Listen, you go for the shot and it doesn't come off, you're carrying your own bag up the hill. I'm walking off. I'm not part of this. Ooh. It's stupid. Yeah. Has that ever happened? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you look, that's, that's probably imagine, a lot of. Can you mood. imagine that? That's a lot you of imagine hot the, air. What I just said is probably a lot of hot air. Can you imagine air, right? the Saturday? <laughs> it probably Jason is. Jason Day's going
0: up 18. But he should have threatened Formal it anyway. World number one, he played the ridiculous. He show. should have
1: threatened it anyway. Imagine
0: he pulled it off, and then Swatton's walked off, and Jason Day's walking up 18. Yeah, it'd be his awesome. bag.
1: It'd be awesome. Look, That'd it never happened. I take everything I said back, but he should have threatened him with it yep. and then carried the bag up anyway and just said, You deal, what are you doing? Don't yep. do it ever again. All right. So what we thought was this was <sighs> one of the great meltdowns we've seen. Yeah, it was. That was a meltdown. Mm. So there is now when we're looking up meltdowns in the break, yes. and I'd already done my list. Yes. A lot of meltdowns are associated with choking. I see. So for instance, Adam Scott, four shots up with four holes to play. Uh John Vanderveld Three shots up with one hole to play, yeah. both losing the tournament. Mm-hmm. They are technically meltdowns, but for the what we are doing, in this, this exercise, list, you're calling them a choke. They're chokes, right? And because of that, we'll do the top five choke chokes next week. Next <laughs> week, <laughs> all right? But Give these us another list. these are mental meltdowns, right? Mental meltdowns. Yes. So on number five on this list is Jason Day. Mm-hmm. Stupid, the stupidest shot I've ever seen in, in a major. Okay. Tick, well done, Jason. You're on the list at number four. Right. Remember when Sergio fell out of love with golf? Yes. He was at the PGA Whistling Straits. It was either the third or the fourth round, but there was clearly a snake in that 18th green greenside bunker because he tried to kill this snake for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he lost He couldn't, the get, it. He couldn't get it. He a quick snake. <laughs> He had 15 or 16 whacks into the face of the bunker at Whistling Straight. So that is number four. (laughs) Number three in the great meltdowns, we saw it a couple of years ago on the first at Augusta. Or was it last year?
0: No, it was a couple of years ago. A couple
1: of years ago. Ernie Els, eight putting the first Uh. (laughs) at Augusta. That is a clear meltdown. Eight butts. (laughs) Now, one player gets in at number one and two. What? One player. Go on, I'll give you one guess. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll give you one guess who it is. <laughs> J.D., John Daly. Yep. Now, this one, I think it was a Canadian Open. hmm And remember, he had the shakes. Yeah. And it was a really hot day, and David Frost, a South African player, was playing with him at the come over, and he had the shakes, and he couldn't hold it. He had to walk. That was a meltdown. Mm. That was a... I don't know. That was a I'm really sick meltdown. I shouldn't be eating a block of chocolate and a steak for breakfast and flushing it down with a few beers at 9 a.m. type meltdown. <laughs> John Daly at number two, the Shakes at Canadian Open. Yep. And again, John Daly oh, at number one. It. The U.S. Open at Pinehurst yes. where he just gave up. He Try to chip it up a hill and remember, you know, the, they they're the boom. upside down <laughs> saucepans. The ball starts rolling back. It's going to roll back 40 feet. He couldn't care less. He walks up <laughs> and just whacks the ball while it's in motion. John Daly, the meltdown king. That's There's it. another meltdown. He he played in there. It was the, it must have been the US, the Australian PGA at Coulomb. This is before. Uh, The dinosaurs were put on the Coulomb layout. (laughs) Uh, The dinosaurs that breathed smoke and roared as you walked past them. Was it Clive Palmer? Yep. Remember a long time ago he threw a putter (laughs) on the last hole, got to the last and threw his putter into the water there on the last of Coulomb. Someone jumped in and got it. Yeah, Yeah. I think the putter is still up in the spike bar. At the Coolum spike I don't think bar there is not yeah. a spike bar there anymore. Uh, I think to be uh, with I think it. they paid for it <laughs> to get it back. So there was another meltdown. Another John Daly meltdown was at the lakes one year when he hit he emptied his bag of balls, hitting just one ball That's after right. another into <laughs> the lake. Straight into the water. I remember that. I remember that and he yeah. just ran, Oh, i have run out of balls, yeah. I'm off. <laughs> another one and then remember he attacked a, a photographer, though his girlfriend attacked a photographer <laughs> when they were walking back to the clubhouse? <laughs> <laughs> oh JD, ah, photographer. He's here's John Daly. He's got no more golf balls left in his golf bag. He's just hit them all. I think it's in the, about the fourteenth hole at the lakes. Yep. So he walks off because he's got no more golf balls left. His girlfriend's following him. Photographer comes up and starts taking photos of John Daly, and his girlfriend attacked the photographer. Bang! Fantastic stuff.
0: Oh. So there might have to be a top ten JD moments well, the list. Oh, well, so. that could be. Well,
1: he he would have. <laughs> If we had a top 10 list for meltdowns, he would have featured five or six times. (laughs) What a man. What a man. What a lunatic. I love him. What a lunatic. I love him. Anyway.
0: Very good. Hey, good list, Marco. No worries. Next week. Chokes next week. Chokes next week. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, we're going to get to a break, but I want to talk to you next. Mm. Love looking at what players have in their golf bag, Marco. Yeah. Justin Thomas. The what's
1: in the bags are great.
0: Yeah. So there's a couple of little things that he changed up from British Open recently. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about that and some differences that he had that can relate to the listeners out there Uh, stick around that's going to come up next this is The Clubhouse
1: in your life have you seen anything like that you're listening to The Clubhouse
0: welcome back it is The Clubhouse Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you as we talk all things golf if you do miss any of the show want to catch up you can podcast this one it comes out First thing Saturday morning, 4 or 5 a.m. If you are on your way to golf on a Saturday morning and looking for something to listen to on the radio, you can podcast this. Just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes well done. and you can
1: listen to it. Now, I uh, love what's in the bags.
0: Lo- what's in the bags. Yeah, it's I love brilliant. them. Yep. I
1: really do like them. And yep. it, it is interesting to see when they go from one tournament to the next. Mm. So give us, a, give us a bit of a rundown, JT's well, golf bag. Uh,
0: JT, I want to talk a couple of things before we go into specifics. Yeah. He uh, had put a five wood in the bag this yep. week instead of the two iron he yep. had. Now, he spoke about um, he often makes that change depending on the course. Mm. Um, and this one was mostly to do with the par fives. Yeah, and, yeah that makes sense. Um, I want to ask you, Marco, for the listener out there, the difference between a two iron and a five wood. If you're a, a golfer out there and you want to be able to get a little bit more distance on mm. the par fives, but perhaps you want a little bit more control, you can't quite hit the yeah. driver, uh, the five wood off the deck all that well. Which one should you be looking at for different uh, circumstances? Well, oh,
1: look, they don't even make two irons these days. I mean, it's got to be a special request, basically. You, you can find them. Well, a
0: three-iron even, Marco. Yeah, 3 is, is iron. as rare as a two-iron. Yeah, yeah, they are.
1: They are. Like, uh, it is surprising. And this was, you know, when, when you look at all the what's in the bags, some of the biggest hitters, they only go to a four-iron. The four iron—it'd you know, be a strong four iron, by the way. It wouldn't be a normal. So, you know, once upon a time, at two, uh, the one iron was 17 degrees, and the three iron was 20, and the four iron was 23 degrees. Yep. A lot of the four irons that we see for these guys with the tungsten bottom—they're mm-hmm. uh, almost a driving iron. Some of these clubs, they're actually 20 degrees. So it's—it's it's actually a—it's almost—it's—it's it's an old two iron. But it's got the tungsten in the bottom, but it's a little bit shorter club. So that's that's why you you see it because a lot of the clubs are actually stronger. For these guys who hit the ball so far mm. and their launch angles are high, um, Jason Day, for instance, I think his pitching wedge is at like 45 degrees. Yep. 45 degrees is is a nine iron, iron. So that carries all the way through. So if they do that and they've got four degrees between each club, it ends up their four iron is like an old two iron. Yep. So that, that's what you see in golf bags. Now, the two-iron then is usually around 17 degrees, which is the old one-iron. Mm-hmm. So unless you are a superhuman or a tour player, you don't even – a 2 iron's just out of the bag. Yep. Out of the bag. Or Alex from Kingston Heath, who still carries a one-iron. I play with him from time <laughs> to time. hits his old one-iron around Kingston Heath. You know, some of our golf courses, you can do it because the ball will go just as far as a five-wood. Yeah but pretty much along the ground all the yeah. way. <laughs> just run it up. That's it. <laughs> and so if you're playing at a golf course where there's nothing in front of the greens and you're comfy with a nice, you know, a one iron usually is only about 40 inches long, then away you go. Yep. Five woods these days off the shelf, they're more like 42 and a half inches long. So, you know, they're two and a half inches longer mm. than the one iron, but the ball will go up, it will stop faster, and pretty much, unless you're playing a golf course that has, you know, an American golf course, like a one iron is just no use at all because the ball just doesn't run. But like I said, if you're playing on dormant fairways yep. in the middle of winter, like we do here, having the sand belt, mm-hmm. probably up north as well in Sydney and you know, a lot of places right around the country, the one iron on in our conditions and, and in you know Great Britain will run and probably finish going just as far yeah. as a five wood will. Yeah, uh, I'm a five wood man. Yep. So oh, I've mine. got yeah. I've got a I've got a forty one inch. It's forty one inches long. Yes. Five wood. So it's got an eight eighteen degrees. That's it's an old forward, um, yep. old forward loft. So that I I just love it. I so mean, it's I, my I, favorite yeah, club. I, if I was you know if I went if I went to play anywhere now my bag stays pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't. I've got a two iron there somewhere. I've got I've actually got a three iron, but it's a driving iron that's at twenty degrees. Uh-huh. And then only you know that that goes a little bit behind my five wood, but for most people, I mean, if you're listening to this show, the chances are, and I've spoken about this a lot, except for Alex <laughs> at Kingston Heath, except for go him, on, Alex. a five wood is the way to is, is yep. the way to go. Mm-hmm. But if you can get the five wood a little shorter than what they actually come out on the shelf. You'll find that five wood, the precision of the five wood will be that much better. Mm. It'll 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 blow your socks off. Yep. And when you see all these guys with five woods in the bag, believe me, they're not. They're they're all a little bit shorter. They're all a little bit shorter, unless you're Dustin Johnson and you're six foot five and can dunk the basketball, <laughs> and you need something really long. <laughs> but for most humans, you know, at six foot, uh, forty one inch five wood is That's just right. So you need absolutely just right. Yep. And, and a really handy, handy golf club. They're yeah. so easy to hit. Yeah. And with the shorter length in the shaft, the ball won't balloon into the wind. I, I can still hit my five-wood into a howling breeze mm. and still get penetration through the air. Yep. So the golf ball that doesn't spin, um, once upon a time, a five-wood was, you know, unless you're playing in windless conditions and... You know, the five wood just went too high. Yeah. You couldn't hit a five wood into the wind. But today, you can actually get five wood to go quite well into the wind. Yep. Um, and that's that's for for the pros. For most human beings, five wood into the wind, no issue whatsoever. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. get it out and go. Yeah. So I'm a big believer that most people, uh, most people playing the game, you have a, a, a driver these days with 10.5 degrees uh-huh. minimum. Most of you probably need 12 yep. with the new ball. Uh, probably a four or five wood, and that's it. Yes, A hybrid, a three hybrid, probably. And then four iron tops in yeah. the golf bag. And even that four iron should be a club that pokes the ball up in the air a bit. Yep. Because I keep on banging on about it all the time. Golf balls these days are designed not to spin with long irons and woods. And for most people, if that's the case for the pros, your ball's not going to spin with a seven iron. So you need spin to keep the ball hovering, and aerodynamic. So again, if you've got a three hybrid, then a four iron with you know a bit of pop, so it gets it up. Probably a five iron with a bit of pop, six with a bit of pop. And then if you wanted to, you could go you blades down from seven iron mm-hmm. to, to your lob wedge if you if you really wanted to. Yep. But um, you know, for the older golfer or for the players just new to the game, no need for a two or a three iron. Um, nice, go. of course, you're Alex from Kingston. love it. He's about 65 and he's still playing off scratch, Alex. Is he? Well, yeah, maybe just... the one eye is the way to go. <laughs> maybe everything. No, not just... for everybody. All right. But...
0: Now, uh, other clubs in the bag. Uh, so the driver, he had the title
1: is two What loft? 9.5 degrees. 9.5. So there you go. He's one of the longest hitters you'll mm. ever see. Clubhead speed at around 125 miles per hour. Yep. And he's using one degree less than me. And I'm at, 100 and, I'm at 108. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it just shows you that most people should most people who turn up with 95 miles an hour at club head speed you need something like 12 degrees with yeah. the new ball yep. even in Australia
0: there you go now right. uh, other woods he uh, had the titleist uh, 15 degree and yep. then an 18 degree yep.
1: there's his 5 wood beautiful
0: yep. uh irons he had from four a titleist 4 then prototypes 5 through 9
1: right so the 4 iron would have probably 20 degrees his 5 iron 25 degrees and then would get Pretty much mm-hmm. standard after that, then sort of.
0: And he's got the Titleist Vokey design wedges. What's he got, um, the he's 60? He's got a 46 degrees bent to 47.5.
1: That's his pitching wedge, is it? Yep. yep.
0: And then he's got a 52 degrees bent to 52.5. Yeah. And then a 60 degree <laughs> well. So
1: what's his pitching wedge at then? So what, what? what's his, say it again, so he's got a 60. So he's got, he's got 60. Uh, 52 and a 52 half.
0: 52 and a half. Sorry, and the 56 and then a 46 as well.
1: 46, yeah. Yep. There you go. So 46 degrees is his... Bent to 47.5. Okay, that's not too bad. So that's his yep. pitching wedge. Yep. And then so the Scotty Cameron putter. Yeah. The Titleist Pro
0: V1X.
1: Now, ball. that's that putter head normally has the shaft that bends and his face balanced. but he's gone like Jason Day. You know how Jason Day uses the spider with the mm-hmm. plumber's neck? Um, he's done exactly the same thing on a... I think they call it a saber-tooth. Yep. A saber-tooth style putter. So he's... All these, it's all going to be the range now. These bigger headed, for you know, they're basically a mallet head. Yep. Even the spider that Jason Day uses that basically gets put into the category, it's a mallet head. Mm-hmm. Um, these mallet heads now, they're coming out for the best plays in the world with a hosel that gives it some toe hang. So, you know, you used to always see the, the shaft go, a curved steel shaft go into the heel of the part to make it face balanced. Yep. This new craze, it's going, you know, everyone's doing it on the PGA Tour. Toe hang with a mallet. It's the way of the future. And even this man now, I mean, you can't buy what he's got. I think Odyssey are making a putter, a new one I've seen. Okay. Odyssey make the, the saber-tooth putter with the, with the little plumber's neck. Um, it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. And this is what we are talking about before. Because you've got a bit of toe hang, that helps the toe release. That's right. That's so what we were talking about before. was mm, with the little marker helps on the wall. Helps with ball the release. That, he's exactly right. Love so. this
0: answer. Um, he was talking about the couple of changes he made. This was about his wedges, Marco. Yep. He what said, absolutely. Doing? The 60 degree wedge I was using was the one I used at the British Open. I can't think of more different conditions than Birkdale and Hollow. You're going from firm and tight turf and not really any grain over there to a little bit wet, also very tight, but grainy Bermuda grass mm. the other 60 degree I had was meant to dig and that wasn't going to work at Quail Hollow you don't want to use the bounce when it's that grainy you're just going to embarrass yourself
1: Correct, Mundo. that's exactly right so um, so what's he done he's, he's used uh, a club at at uh, the open championship with no bounce and he's mm. gone to a club with plenty of bounce at Quail yep That's exactly right. So you hear hear him talking there about the grain and how that is such a big factor and how it is going to embarrass himself. That's what I keep talking about. Exactly right. Exactly. when, When the ground is dormant here in Australia and it might seem like the grass is really tight, it's hard to read that grain. And if you are chipping into the grain and you haven't got much bounce or you don't know how to use the bounce on the chip, you are going to embarrass yourself embarrass yourself so here you go he's one of the guys who's one of the most talented kids we've ever seen in golf talking about embarrassing yourself yep. if you don't know about the grain or if you're using a bounce on the sole that doesn't si- suit the situation yep.
0: so he's come in so new wedge. he's changed from the five He changed from the two iron to a five wood yep. to adapt to the conditions don't Very mind good. it yeah no, smart it's player that's why he's my second favorite player who's
1: your number one Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler, I love Ricky. I thought he was a chance to. It's just Ooh. the high tops, right? You just love the high tops. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like J Day's high tops at the British Open. Yeah,
1: I like JT. JT and the tie. Yep, the pink, the pink Ralph Lauren polo was nice too
0: on the Sunday. I liked
1: it. Yeah, yeah. no, he's very good. Ralph Lauren, it's great golf clothes. Yes. No doubt. Absolutely. I'm an Adidas man myself, but I I do look over (laughs) the Ralph stuff. Once upon a time, Ralph used to look after me. Did they? Yeah, yeah, I used to love it. Yeah. They were great. But the Adidas stuff in summer, mate, could not be cooler. Couldn't be cooler with the Eddie Cool stuff.
0: Yes. All right, we're going to get to a break. Enough sponsor plugs. (laughs) We're going to get to Marco's Masterclass. Stick around. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, every week at the end of the show, you get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen for Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's a great golf in
1: Melbourne's north. Marco. righto. Uh, just on the back of Justin Thomas and his great victory and the way that he hits the ball, it is magnificent. A clear thinker. It doesn't look like he's thinking too much in his swing. But one of the great things I loved about his action is his fast arms. To generate that much club head speed and keep the club in front of his body, you've got to have fast arms. Mm. If your arms lag behind your body when your body is moving at that rate... Then it's the disaster. Remember how everyone talks about being trapped and the club gets inside, they say they're gonna go way right away, a big snap hook left. When you look at Justin Thomas swing next time, watch how fast his arms move. It's a great way to think about hitting a golf ball. Don't think about how fast you can make the club head move. Get the arms moving fast through impact. That'll keep the arms in front of your body. And amazing things happen when your arms stay in front of your body from the top of the swing right through impact and into the follow through your feet will stay flat on the ground if your feet aren't flat on the ground or you're losing balance i almost guarantee it's because your arms are too far behind your body and the body goes first the feet come up before you even hit the ball fast arms and then if the if that's happening you're off balance before you start fast arms nice keep thinking fast arms not a fast club head fast arms through the ball perfect Nice little short one. I like it. All for uh,
0: Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf. Clubmandalay.com.au and uh, two people, including a motorised cart with a drink, 79 bucks. Clubmandalay.com.au. Good on you, buddy. I'll see you next week. Thanks for that. See you next week. Pleasure. List of chokers. Make sure you stick around. Jeez.